Christian in politics. And every one of us here is involved in politics. Because you vote. Because you share your views about how the country ought to go. And I believe that tonight it will be a great privilege to listen to a man who fears the Lord. Who is a Calvarian. Who also has been part of the political system for many years. Without much ado, I welcome you, sir. Honorable Alex Sebefiel. Thank you all and good evening to everybody that is here. Um, let us pray. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and I ask that you give me the Holy Spirit today to fill me with words of wisdom. I ask for the spirit of discernment for those who are here today and may your word be heard and be praised. I ask you this through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Okay. Thank you. Um, we've played a little bit with the title, quite a bit. So you have, I've got it as the politician has God's voice to the nation. But the pulpit in politics is actually the same thing. So there's no actual difference in what I'm going to speak about today. First and foremost, everything I'm going to say is not gospel except a certain part, if it comes from the Bible. But my personal experiences and what I'm going to tell you about does not mean it applies to everybody, but I hope that you're able to take some lessons from what I'm going to tell you about politics and the issue of the pulpit or God. So don't worry too much about the title. To start with, how do you perceive God? That is, for me, where I started from. Because if you look at it in relation to politics, you have to be clear in your mind, first of all, that God came before politics. But politics came before man. Because before the devil was created, he was playing politics in heaven. And subsequently was banished to hell. And I'm talking here of Lucifer. Because Lucifer was said to be an angel. And therefore, whatever politics he was involved in, me and you were not there, as we say in politics. I and you were not there, but we can presume that he got bigger than himself and God then banished him to hell. And that is how we have hell and heaven. Putting that aside, how do you perceive God? And once you realize that God existed before any of this uh, issue of politics and who is where and what we are and where man even came into the picture. You will then realize that you, you put yourself very low down and you learn to prostrate when you're dealing with issues of God. It is significant that of all the things man created, actually the smallest, and I'm not talking, I'm talking in general terms. So yes, they are smaller animals than man, but they are bigger animals than man. They are always bigger mountains. They are biggest, the ocean is bigger. So man is actually the smallest of all the creations of God. And it was also the last. Yet we were given dominion over everything. So you have to begin to understand that size and stature is not necessarily what God is about. If he wants to give you the power and the gift, 
and you are blessed, he will. Moving swiftly on, the next question you need to be asking yourself is, who is a politician and what part do we all play in shaping a politician? And I'm now using the generic term of politician because we all think of politicians as the people we vote for who are placed in positions of authority um, from uh, presidents right down to uh, the lowest person who is appointed, per se, uh, for political position. But politics is everywhere, either passively or actively. You can either be active or not. And running a country is like running your home, only that it's more complicated. So if you cannot run your home, think twice before you begin to come to run a country. <laughs> or a bigger unit. So you've got to actually understand that a politician is only the sum total of what we all put together to make that person. We vote for the people who become politicians. We create them. We make demands on the politicians. So if your demands are not realistic, but the person is doing everything to meet those demands, please bear in mind that the demands, we have created what has come. And there's a saying that when you see leaders, they are a, a demonstration or they actually behave as what the society that created those people are. They are not separate from the society. So sometimes it is true, not always, but if you see somebody who is not compassionate, it is because maybe when he was being dealt with or created, he wasn't created with compassion. If you squeeze somebody too much, he will come back and squeeze you tomorrow. That is sometimes human nature, depending on who that person is and what that person perceives his duty as towards uh, people that he is meant to serve is. So that is next point. Who is a politician? What part do we play in shaping that politician? It's quite important. You then have the issue that I normally start with. You know, if you speak to any politician and you ask him, oh, when you started, what, what, how did you perceive? Oh, I was going to help everybody. We were going to sort out the mess. The people who were there were no good. We can always do better. People are not thinking. Why can't they see that this is such a simple, straightforward issue? That is how all politicians started. I'll give you an example. Without calling names, you have people who were in the media. Go and listen to their previous interviews when they were interviewing politicians. Now they are in politics. See how they speak in politics. You quickly realize that when you are outside, it's one thing. The moment you enter, if you are not strong, you will fall into the grips of the political terrain. If not, actually, you may not survive. And whether you survive or not, with your Christian values, is dependent on you, the person, and the choices you decide to make. But the ideals of politicians do not ever match the reality. When I was in London, we used to have a lot of parties over the weekend. 
So we would all meet up. Oh, as of Ghana, these guys are not serious. When we get to Ghana, we'll do this, we'll do that. We just have to push this in place. Why are they not doing this and that? All my colleagues, good 90% of them are back here. I don't recognize the conversations we had. I don't at all. The conversations we had are a million miles away from what is happening in the town. Either in business or in politics or even in the way of life. Because you are swallowed and succumbed if you are not strong in your faith by the situations that bring you to birth. So the ideals of a politician, as against the realities of politics, are two different things. Now, I move straight to the challenges. With the challenges, the first thing is conflict. Truth against being economical with the truth or lying outright. If you want to be very candid about it in politics, when you get to a certain point, keep quiet. If you open your mouth, you're either closing your political career or you are landing yourself in big trouble with the political party that you belong to. Because you are in a group. Unless you are running independent. But once you are in a group, there are rules. And the rules do not necessarily say that there's right and there's wrong. What they say is this is our position. This is our policy. And then somebody raises an issue which actually begins to question the position you have taken. You will be surprised that if you do take the middle road, you will be labeled as dangerous or stupid or naive if you are lucky because you do not know how politics is played because you have decided to be slightly objective and moved away from maybe what is deemed the road of where you, what the, 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 the particular political uh, situation is. So truth and how you deal with it is one of the big, big issues of being a politician. Then greed and philanthropy. There's one thing saying that somebody is greedy. There's one thing saying that somebody is philanthropic. Is he bribing or is he being philanthropic? Big, thin line, eh? Very thin line between philanthropy, I'm helping people, or I want to be seen to be helping people so that I'm recognized. It happens to politicians, but the church is not even immune from that. What do I mean? Without calling names, you have churches where the president must come to that church or the minister must appear in that church. So you can have somebody who has not seen his church for four months because he has been going to other churches. Now he has an interest. His interest is that he must be seen by as many people as possible. The church is also interested in raising itself because who is this person who has come to our church? Everybody is playing politics. Nobody has asked. Yes, the church is playing his politics. The politician too is playing his politics. And somewhere in that, God has been lost. 
And that is the fact. So, you see the issue and you say, oh, are we giving a donation because we want to help the church? Or are we coming out to say we gave 20,000 so that everybody knows that, ah, he has come. Nobody quests where the 20,000 came from. But he gave 20,000 and they expect it. Where did he get the 20,000 to come and give you? He gave 100 cities. Ah, this guy cries. Is he serious? A whole minister of state, 100 cities. Are you, uh, what, what's going on here? You are creating a certain type of politician. You are not asking the questions. But you are labeling him and you are putting him in a certain bracket. You expect certain things from a politician. And the politician also expects certain things from you. Then you have an understanding of what you are supposed to be doing. It is very easy to mix service and also not understanding selfishness. People will only serve when others can see it. If it can't be seen, they don't want to know. But if people are going to see what I'm going to do, which is being selfish, then I'm happy. So, I want to be seen going to the hospital to see various people. I want to be seen doing certain things. The fact that you go there and you don't call the press means that you don't understand politics. You, you've lost the plot. You must call the press because it must be shown. Now, that is good. It's not a problem. But are you going there to do the work of God or are you going there to do politics? Are you going there because you're the minister? If you're doing that because you're the minister, fine, call the press. But the moment you want to give the impression that, look, I'm a man of God who's come and see me, I'm doing godly work. And then you call the press, then I think that you have to start asking yourself, where am I in this issue? Am I actually doing the work of God here or do I have a selfish interest to deal with? So I've gone through quite a few. I've done the, uh, I'm doing the second one now, which is issue to taking uh, the issue of uh, where is God in your life in all this. It's significant that if you look at the Ten Commandments originally, and then the two commandments that Jesus Christ gave out, all of them are about service. Love the God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's serving God. That's it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are serving your neighbor. That's it. Both, if you take the first three or four first commandments, all are about service to God. The remaining six are about service to your neighbor, including your parents, which is number five. I believe honor their father and their mother that their days will be long. So, you look at them and you realize that it's all about service. And yet, people don't necessarily understand that because in the scripture, it's there. So if you are meant to serve, then you can easily mistake it as being lording it over people. We were cracking a joke just earlier on and we said, look, political position doesn't belong to your father. It's not your father's property. So you have it for a period. 
That's why even nowadays, when people call me honorable, I find it, I, I become uncomfortable. <laughs> because I'm not honorable anymore. It was a title. And I can't even put it down as a degree. If they even give you doctor this, or they say, you've got a lawyer this, I'll, hand, I'll hold it. Because I'm a lawyer. I've gone and I've got the paper to prove it. But honorable means what? You have been a, a former minister. You are no longer a minister. And you may never be a minister again. So how long are you going to be honorable for? <laughs> You, you, you get me. It's not, I can understand why they do it with presidents. Say once a president, always a president or whatever. But, honorable, we are too many. Even assemblyman is honorable, isn't that right? So, <laughs> so we are too many. You know, so, we are working about honorable, honorable. Honorable means what? It means nothing. You're honorable, yes, you're doing your job. They want to give that title. I agree, no problem. But beyond that, you can let it go things that you work for you are. And this is the whole issue and the argument with whether or not somebody is a doctor or not a doctor, whether it's an honorary doctorate degree or whether you've actually gone through the process of getting, uh, going to university and getting your doctorate and applying for it. So, yes, if you've gone through the pros, yes, but if you're an honorary doctorate and you're calling yourself doctor, nobody will stop you, but I think that you're only dealing with yourself on that level and you should move away from it. That's my view. Uh, others may take a different view. So, uh, that's the issue with regard to the commandments and service to people. You then have a look at temptation, presence of the devil. The only job more difficult than being a politician is deciding to take the cloth, being a man of God. That for me is the number one, most difficult job. So, I adopt my heart to all the pastors and all those people who decide that they want to be leaders in the church and they want to be men of God. Because the moment you take that decision, the devil has put on his spikes. He's ready to come at you full force. And so your temptations and your... Because once he gets one of you, he, has, he feels that he has rocked the foundations of God. So that's why we always have to be praying for our church leaders. That they can be strong and be able to go through the process. Because they are the number one target. But closely behind is the politician. Because the politician, huh, I don't want to tell you about the temptations. <laughs> Temptation is every day continuous everywhere you go. Let me give you a clear example. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this openly, but I will. I was in an office which didn't have a secretary. In other words, when I sit, you open my door, you are straight into my office. So, I was like, okay, I'm working, no problem. I'm in the castle. Those days we were in the castle, fine. And I had the, 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 the difficult job of seeing all the issues that were coming just after the election. Everybody wanted to come and see. So, got in one, early one day, some lady is out there. Okay, she wants to see me. I said, oh, come in. As she came in, I had, wanted to wash my hands. And my bathroom is at the back, so I go to the back. I wash my hands. As I come in, I sit down. I noticed that all her buttons on the front of her dress were open. So, I'm like, okay, you're deputy chief of staff. Life has begun. <laughs> so, I immediately tell the lady, please, your buttons are undone. Oh, oh, sorry. So, she begins to button. I made no comment. Didn't show any interest. Just said, your buttons are undone. Please do them out. And she did. Literally, one minute a minute and a half after that, my door is open and a guy is coming with a camera. 
He's coming and I said, yeah, how can I help you? Oh, we were told we were supposed to come and take a photograph here. I said, it's not me. I haven't asked for any photograph. He looks at the lady and he goes out. At that point, I decided that I wasn't going to stay in an office without a secretary. And that is how I left the castle. Nobody knows. Even the people who allowed me to leave do not know this story up to today that I'm saying it openly. Because I could see the setup. If I had bled loose, moved from my seat, gone to sit in front of the lady or show any interest, I would have got, somebody would have just clicked me straight away. And by now, certain newspapers would have been making a fortune from that photograph. And my political career would be over. So, when they talk about temptation, I won't mention names again. I was in a room waiting to see a very important person. The person said, come, come, come. He was in with some people. The people had come from Nigeria. Private jet arrived. Blue bag. Open the blue bag. You, 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 as you are sitting here, have you seen $2 million before? I have seen it, but I never touched it. <laughs> $2 million in cash. Now, I looked at it. Uh, the person who it was brought to said, so how can I help you? Oh, we are coming to help to do this. I said, oh. The party office is at Paloma. So if you want to do a donation, sorry, I've got if you want to do a donation, please, if you want to do a donation, go to the party office and do the donation. But use your local company because foreign companies or foreign government cannot donate to a party. You can imagine the way I was confused. We are looking for money on. Somebody has brought $2 million that I have never seen before. And you are telling the person that you should take it to Paloma. For what? They picked their bag up, left castle, straight to the airport with their bag, got on a private plane, Otilo. They have gone. So I asked that gentleman, why did you call me in? He said, I want you to understand that it's not every money that you touch. It was a very profound lesson for me. Because I don't know of many politicians who will ever see $2 million in cash and turn it away. In fact, if people know who I'm talking to, they say the person is a fool. He's stupid. That's the, that's the general consensus. But I have seen it happen before, live and direct. He said, no, I don't need it. If you want to do it, do it properly. Go and look, donate it at the party headquarters. So the temptations are many. From the opposite sex, male or female, from money, and I'll come to spirituality. That one is vain. It's a different matter altogether. <laughs> so... <laughs> Moving from temptation, you come to spirituality. The rest, the ones I've talked about, are the ones you deal with at our level. But like everything else in this world, there's the issue of materialism, what you see or what is tangible, and then there's the spiritual side. 
If you come into politics, you must know your God. If you do not, you are going to fail miserably. And not that you people will see you may have the cars and the what, but your spirit, your soul is lost. It's as simple as that. If you are going to measure yourself by the cars you have and the houses and how many people's honorable, honorable, or this, then you are lost completely. And that is the position with regard to uh, spirituality. You have a situation, for me, spirituality, I deal with it in a very simple manner. If you are spiritual, and I'm not here to denounce anybody's religion, but stay in your lane. If you're a Christian, be a Christian. If you're a Muslim, be a Muslim. If you say you are Hindu, be a Hindu. But those that have uh, chains around their neck, one is for Muslim, one is for Hindu, then the beads around the waist for the traditional leader, and so on and so forth. In other words, you don't, you don't know whether you are going or you are coming. And I've never understood it. You know, everything that is under this world, material and spiritual, is created by God. So even the other side, the, the Lucifer we talk about, the devil, the, all were created by God at one point. But notice, everything that is good is of God. And everything that is bad is of man. So anything that is good that you get, praise God. But when you're in trouble, don't ask God, say, where did I go wrong? Because you are the one who has created that problem. Whether it is the sins of your fathers that are visiting you, or the line that you passed, it is not of God. Because everything that God does is good. So if you don't know this, and you don't understand your God, and you enter politics... People come to you, give me 10 cities. I'm going to see my malam. Don't give it. I want 10 cities to go and eat. Here's the 10 cities. Go and eat. I want 10 cities to see my malam. No. If you want to pray for me, go and pray. When I pray, I say, all those that have prayed for me that are good, Lord, bless me with it. If it's not good for me, discount it. That's how I pray. So, don't be changed. That's lane changing. I have my belief. But I'm not about to say somebody's is wrong or somebody's is right. Judge not, lest you be judged. But I'm clear in my mind. Let the pastors do that. I'm clear in my mind that the only way is the one that I have. And why is it that people believe that they need a pastor? They need a traditionalist. They need a juju man. They need a so-called small God to talk to God. He told you that. Call me directly and I'll answer the phone. Why are you going through all these people? One minute you are with this church. The church is not correct. Then you move to this church. This church is not correct. Then I'll see the juju man by the roadside. They said, I'll go to India. They hire their own is better. We'll come back to Gabon before we see that. No, this one is not working. Then I'll become a Muslim so that I can go. All this you are doing. Meanwhile, you have a direct line. Home. Why? Why? Now, let me explain to you the reality of what I know as 
God is real. When I finished being a deputy uh, campaign coordinator, we won election. Pula Balu, you became deputy chief of staff. Boom, 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 everything is going. You're working hard. Won election. Son, hey, champion boy, you have come. People are good. I made one fundamental mistake. Big, huge, massive. And it cost me. I never dedicated my office. I wasn't it. Trouble started coming. He's a car thief. He has taken this money. He has done this. You were firefighting left, right, and center. You don't know whether you are going. You don't know where the problem is coming from. It's in your house, whether it's from outside. Everything is going blah, blah. You can't, you can't control it. You don't know where you are. Then I realized that, nah. I have a problem. I better start praying hard. Hard. So, we started. Then, I became deputy chief of staff. I said, yeah, a deputy minister of defense. Before I was in that office one week, I had come and collected pastors. I beg you, come and pray for me in my office. Yes. Come and pray for me in my office. They are here. Some of them. They came and prayed. Did you hear anything about me about deputy minister of defense? I was champion. Yes. You couldn't touch me. Anything, anywhere. Oh, this guy, he's doing well. He's just that. Oh, look. Oh, even crying, he shouldn't be in a deputy. He should be a full minister. Blah, blah, blah. I said, hey, is this the same person who was a captive? Is it the same person? My God turned it. I was there for seven months. Somebody said, "Mm -mm. you are ministerial material. Come, minister of health. You know what they call ministry of health? Ministry of hell. There's a reason. But we are here. In eight years, there were seven ministers of health. I was the last, number seven. But I was the longest serving minister of health under NDC. Why? The moment I got there, I lined my pastors up again. Come. Come and pray on my office for me. This is testimony. It's real. It's not that they say, they say. Oh, look. The cleaners used to come and say, oh, we found feathers outside your house, the office in the morning. I said, oh, don't worry, just you. Don't tell me again, you just you. It's not, there's nothing. They did, they did everything. Am I not standing here? Wow. So, as for the politics, it is there. But never, never, never leave your God. Under any circumstance. And... I'm now going to swiftly, because I'm running out of time, I'm almost, I've, I've got only a minute, run through your solutions. First solution, prayer. Even now, I'm faltering. You know why? I have no pressure. I'm not a minister. I'm relaxed. So you see me lying in my bed. Yeah, so I have to get out of bed and kneel down. I'll pray in the bed. That, 
I've already started misbehaving. I've started misbehaving with my prayer. When I was hot, hey! You will not understand how prayer, I could pray, Papa, I would sing in my room. The dogs will be barking because I'm praying. Now, oh, I'm, so sometimes strife is just to tell you, God saying that, look, I'll give you a little kick for you to wake up and start praying again. But if you don't want the kick, just continue praying. You'll be free. <laughs> so you have to pray. It is the only, don't, yes, you need pastors, you need guidance, yes. But if you yourself don't have a personal relationship with God, then all the, they are praying by this choir. You yourself, you must pray. And you must ask God for guidance, for deliverance, but most of all, for forgiveness. Because every day you are sinning. Every day you are sinning. So ask for the forgiveness and come as a sinner and pray. Very important. Next one. Uh-oh. Am I lost? Yes. Focus. You have to remain focused. It's very easy in the midst of things to sway and forget. I'm too busy. I have to do this. You need your quiet time. You must always find time to pray. You must always find time for God. So you have to be focused. Keep your focus on the God. On your God. On You can't move away from it. If you you, you want to always postpone. No. Just focus. It's very, very important. Then, know your boundaries. And let people know them. People come to my office and say, oh, look. I say, look. You're a Muslim. I'm a Christian. I have no problem with you praying for me. Go and pray. Don't ask me for money to pray. Me too. I'll pray for you. But for you to come and say that you are going to see a malam. Or you want to recite Quran how many times or whatever. You dash your belief. I don't have a problem. You go and pray. But don't ask me to give you anything to go and pray for me. I won't do it. Somebody has been in my office and said, and that's why I believe the prayers of those who have even left you, protects you in your time. Somebody came to my office, very peculiar request. Oh, we are doing now this thing and we want to identify you in the spiritual world. So we need your full name and your mother's name. I just laugh at the person. I said, my mother's name. I said, but we are all patrilineal. Since when did they identify you by your mother? Why didn't you ask me my father's name? So that you know that I'm the son of this person and not the son of this. He said, oh, boss. I said, look, in my house, my father was the head of the house, but the spiritual head was my mother. So why are you asking me for my spiritual head? I'm not giving you the name. Because I'm handing it over to you, which is what you want me to do. And I will not do it. So if you think, that prayer that she has done to protect me, which is holding me today, I'm coming to just hand it over to you. Forget it. Leave my office. You have to understand your spirituality and what games are played. And that prayer of old holds you of today. The sins of your fathers are there to harm you, but also the prayers and the blessings of your mothers are there to keep you. Are you understanding? So you must keep both. And whereas you can cancel one, you can cancel the sins with prayer. 
Nobody can cancel the blessings that have been put down. Because once you have a covenant with God, he keeps it. That's the way it is. So, when you pray, know. And when you know your boundaries, let people know, I'm like this. You want me to go to a malam, I won't go. You want to go to your malam, go. You want to go to your juju man, go. But don't take anything of mine. And I'm not the one sending you. Clear? Me, this is my path. I have one church. This is the one I go to. If you want to see me, come to church. you see me. If I miss my church four weeks, I become jittery. By the fourth week, I must be back. Not that this person wants to see me in this church. This person wants, no. I come, I'm quiet in my corner. There's no big man, big man in church. No. It doesn't work. Your God is not to be played with. If you joke with it, especially if you're in the game that I'm in, you will fail. And don't measure your success. None of the people in this world who matter, who people talk about today, are measured by their houses or their cars. or their, They are measured by what they left behind. How people remember them. So, it's a question of what you think is the measure in these issues. Finally, handle criticism. It's very important. You are a fool. You are naive. You don't know anything. You just come from London. What do you know about Ghana? He's not good enough. Soak it. Wait like a badge of honor. So when you tell me that I am not naive, I say, ah. But a thief in Saudi Arabia and a thief in America and a thief in Australia, it's all the same thief. So what is there that is so special about Ghana thief that they are not stealing to? All is that. So we have a special way with thief all. We, there's nothing new in this world, though. We didn't invent anything. Some things have already been there, so you're not doing anything new. So when the people are hitting you with those type of criticisms, soak it and know that this is my path and stay focused as I've mentioned. Stated. Finally, you are never alone if you are a child of God. You are never alone. No matter how dark and bad it gets, you should remember that you are never alone. And it goes with the, la the, the next one. You must believe in the forgiveness of God. Because you will definitely go astray. The moment you start saying, oh, it's so bad, I, this one, I've done it so bad, if I pray, even God will not listen to my matter, then you already lost your way. You must be able to go back and say, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And have the belief that no matter how dark it seems, you are never alone. And he will come to you if you are truly, truly repentant. Finally, my last slip, I say, remember, God is always in control. But make it easy. Allow him to take control. Thank you very much. Wow. Thank you, sir. Please, we were looking for very general questions to help all of us. If you want to see, please take the last one. The last one. Yes, hurry up. Very quickly. 
Hello, uh, my name is uh, Theophilus. Yes, sir. I have a quick question. I observed that in Africa, the major reason to join politics is for money reason. Okay. That's the major reason. And as a result of that, Christians also blend in in the corruption that takes place in the process. So is there a way that you can suggest as how a Christian can be humanized from these practices and make a mark? Thank you very much. So I think this one, even Mr. Wilson, I can give you six, Mr. Sebi has a lot of questions. How to, because you're also a politician, you are with PNC. Just that you don't have maybe access to plenty money now. But in the future, in the future, God will allow you also to see. Mr. Sebi, if you are, please go ahead. I went uh, campaigning and I met someone who kept saying, please, no chance, please, no chance. And I was saying, what does he mean? He said, oh, he's from PNC. So, please, no chance. <laughs> um, on a more serious note, I jest. Um, you, when you are dealing with contracts, stay in your lane. What do I mean? If it's your contract, you can find out everything you need to know about that contract. You cannot assume that you know everything about somebody else's contract. And people are set up very easily in the game that we play. So if it is in your domain, just make sure that you follow the rules and the regulations and make sure that the right thing is done. You meet a lot of resistance. Oh, this person should rather get the contract. Have you gone to procurement? Procurement has brought it back. Why was this overlooked instead of that? You ask all the right questions. Why did you want to do so sourcing? Just this one doesn't need so sourcing. We have time. Go and do uh, what's it called? Either uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, not yeah, full tender or restrict, restricted tender, depending on what the product is. You insist on those those issues. So, but okay, what do you do? When the ministry knows that it needs 10 Bibles, it has known for a year and a half that it needs 10 Bibles. And then one month to the time when the Bibles are needed, it is brought to you. And there's only one person that can produce it in the one month. And now you have to do source sourcing and give it to that person. Is it you? If you insist on tender, you will not get the Bibles. So it's not always, the person at the top is the easy one to point the finger at. And he's right. He must take the blame. But the system, it's a lot of people that make up the system, including you. So don't rule yourself out. So yes, it is contracts and issues of that nature. It is very difficult to be on the outside and say, oh, or even in the system and say, I know about somebody's contract. No. But if it's in your domain, yes, you can do something about it. And by all means, do. Let it go through the system. Get the checks and balances. You'll be insulted. You'll be saying, no, this person is not there. You may even be removed and sent to another place for other things to happen. But that is not your wahala. Because nobody will come and tell you that I'm removing you because of A, B, or C. But you just stick to what you know. And as I said, it's not your father's property. So at the end of the day, if you are dense, somebody says, okay, step aside, or you, 
And look, one of the beauties of working with uh, uh, one of the presidents or a former president, he said, look, some get it in the morning. Some get it in the afternoon. Some will get it in the evening. Some to be asleep, they'll come and wake you and say, it's your turn. The train is moving always for positions. Some will get on it, be on it all the time. Some will wait. The train will go and pass, go before they will get on it. So it is not anybody's property. Coming to the last question that was asked about how you get contaminated with money, you must have, I believe, you must have a source of income other than politics. Go and get a profession. Go and get a job. Know that you have got two kiosks that sell water. So my house, whatever happens, every week, 100 cities for my pure water is coming to my house. So that if you don't have the job or you have the job, your house will eat. But to leave school, fine, I'm into politics. And politics is my life. If the, the job, you don't get a job, oh, the world must, something has gone wrong. You cannot even be a genuine politician because you sell your services to the highest bidder. It's as simple as that. So my view is that for most politicians, if you really want to be an effective politician based on ideological concepts, you must have a source of income other than politics. Okay, I'm out of a job. I called my pastors. Please come and pray for my office. They came. They came and prayed for the office. I'll go back and start doing my little Lord. The judges will insult you when they say, Where did you want to learn your law? Blah, 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 blah. But you get your chocolate and joy. You put it inside the house. You can manage. But if you don't have a source of income, then what is it? You now have to go and sit on radio station and insult somebody well, well for both. Oh, yes. This guy, he'll go far. This is what we need. His lawyer. Come, I'll give you some money to go and do some more insulting. Is it not that? Yes, that is the game. But if you have a profession, you can go and, and when I say professional, I don't mean you have to be a professional. I mean you have a job that you can go back to. I'm a teacher. I'll go back to teaching. I'm a dentist. I'll go back to my dentistry. I'm a doctor. I'll go and practice my doctrine. Then the politics is not the only place you have to go. And that is a, is, is a, is a letdown. Uh, what was the second question? I uh, there a question about oh, how you handle the... No, I was asking about whether I, uh, I gave a preach. Witness, I witnessed... witnessed is that the time to witness? Bible says, <laughs> Let me ask question. Ah, me too, I'm asking him question. Is that the time? <laughs> Somebody witness. has just entered the office with the camera. About to set you up nicely. Is this the time you are going to witness? witness. Wouldn't you quickly let the person leave your office quietly and go with their trouble? No. Sometimes the devil is so strong that you don't want no wahala. Right. You let him go. Yes. That, as for my wife, no. my wife hears it all. Though. So she'll be saying that, you crown, who sent you? Why are you there suffering like, don't worry darling, it will be okay. No, we are fine. No. Are you sure? Yes. Oh. Have you prayed? Yes, I've prayed. That, that's my wife. Have you prayed? Yes, I've prayed. Fine. That is her life. So she hears all the stories. Sometimes even some of the things... I'll just say, when I come, remind me. Because I don't say everything on phone. No. Mm -mm 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 -mm. When I come, when I get back, you told me to remind, ah, yes, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. 
Ah, okay. Matter close. So, when you're a politician as well and your partner is not with you or your partner is with you, how you deal with that relationship and your wife must be your friend. But that's a different story for another day. Thank you very much. Let's give it up for Mr. Alexander Percival Sabathia. Yes, just let's touch a little bit of in under minutes, like 60 the seconds. issue of corruption. Yes, of corruption. Now, sometimes we think and we create the impression that Corruption only takes place in politics. Corruption takes place everywhere. Immorality takes place everywhere. It depends on the foundation the person has. We know politicians who, who engage themselves or find themselves in sex scandals. We know pastors who find themselves in sex scandals and all that. It is an individual foundation. That is why I believe strongly that if 60% of Ghana's population, per our census, says that 70. 70 are Christians and corruption is going on in Ghana, then it means there's something wrong with Christianity in Ghana. If 70% of us claim to be Christians and injustice is taking place in Ghana, it means that there's something wrong with Christianity in Ghana. It's either the foundation is wrong or not. Practically, there's this man who is a Baptist, unfortunately. He has been given an appointment in this government. He was appointed, and I'll mention the position. Since his appointment last year to date, he hasn't been given an office. He does not work officially for the state. He wakes up, he goes to his private business, and to date, he receives salary from the state. This is corruption. And yet, this is a, a Christian who goes to church. And so corruption, we shouldn't see it as something pertaining to just politics. We should ensure that our foundation in the Christendom is right. Thank you very much, Mr. Wilson, for getting the foundation right. Praise the Lord. Uh, thank you for your patience and thank you for staying with us till this time where we'll be running up. I believe that we came to church. We've been inspired by the things we heard. I think Wilson quoted more verses than Reverend Dr. Fredibe will do on a Wednesday night service. Uh, my sermon may have two or three. You have accounted close to 20 scriptures in one delivery. That was so powerful.